Hi everyone, miss seeing all of your faces every week. I hope you're all well. Sending lots of love. Hi PBC, I hope you're all doing really well uh, in your homes and uh, wherever you're meeting together. We really miss uh, you, uh, being able to meet with you. But then again, we've also had some really nice time with some of our friends in our home, meeting together and doing church online together. So, um, you know, uh, at the same time, there's a really miss meeting as a big group. It's been also been really good to meet in small groups as well. And I, I would encourage you to invite your friends around and to meet together on Sundays. Thanks. Bye. Welcome to Church Online today from wherever you're watching. Um, so good to have you with us. I want to introduce you to Ken Eastwood, who heads up our um, ministry among the homeless and marginalised in Parramatta. Ken, I've been really mindful um, last few weeks, especially we've had some really cold nights, some wet and windy nights, been really mindful of those who don't have a warm bed or a, a warm house to go back to. You serve among those who, um, you and the team from PBC serve among those who are vulnerable. Tell us what's been happening. Thanks, Cathy. Yeah, it's, it's a really interesting time and, and I'm always, um, like you, I'm very aware when I'm snugged up, snugged up in bed, you know, and, and I can hear the wind howling outside and the rain. I think, well, how hard is it for yeah. people on the street? Um, uh, when we go down to the park, so, so our, our church for a long, long time has, has delivered meals, um, and served meals down at Parramatta Park, um, on a Sunday, um, at lunchtime. There are other organisations that provide other meals during the week, um, but, but our church has, has done the Sunday lunch for a long, long time. Nearly all those other organisations are also Christian organisations, and I'm always very humbled by that to see the, the work of Christ um, done by a lot of different organisations. Um, and so we go down and, and have generally in the past taken down a barbecue and we've had a bit of a, a social occasion and, and we've served whoever has come along. We don't do a means test. if um, you know We don't check whether somebody is actually homeless or destitute, all those sorts of things. They, they could be a millionaire or they could be um, somebody on the street. We don't mind. We're, we're just happy to, to serve whoever's there. Since COVID, of course, we haven't been able to um, to bring down the barbecue and have a social occasion. So we've been pre-preparing hot meals and also a, a bag of food and we've been delivering that. Um, and in our, our time with our, our friends down in the park is is a lot more reduced now to uh, to often just a couple of minutes or, or even a very short conversation. And in that time, we're often trying to care for other needs, such as um, you know, getting them a warm blanket or a sleeping bag or um, just checking if, if they need a very quick prayer. We're not meant to be doing long prayers down there, but... Um, uh, but but just some some sort of need that that we can meet in a very short period of time. Mm, that's fantastic. So, is there something that God has done recently that has really encouraged you? Yeah, very very much so. And 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 and, cool. and it's so lovely again to just be part of the body of Christ and to see the way in which um, the hands and feet of Christ, which is which is us. 
um, gets used in so many different ways. So, so one of our lovely friends down in the park, he, he's, a, he's a big fellow. He lives on the street. He, he looks exactly like Gandalf. If you've been down at, at Parramatta, you might have seen this fellow around. <laughs> he's a lovely fellow. Um, and one, one of my favourite comments he ever made, uh, um, I, I once asked him if, if we were praying and I said, oh, would you like to join us for prayer, Christopher? And he said, um, no, 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 I'm, I'm going to the bottle um, and he's just that sort of a character. He, he, he's, he's funny and, um, and just very much himself. Anyway, he has these, um, he never wears shoes. He has very, very large feet and, um, and his toenails have sort of completely grown over and, um, become quite, uh, probably dangerous in, in many ways to, to his health and, and his hygiene. Um, and he came to us recently and he actually said, oh, can you help me with my feet? I, I, I'm getting really cold and, and I'd like to get some socks or shoes on, but I need mm. some help with my feet. So we put a call out and through um, um, Andy and Raylene Scott, um, Raylene's mum is, is a travelling podiatrist, and so she agreed to come down. And just last Sunday, we managed to tee everything up um, with a whole bunch of people working together. Andy um, um, got, got on his hands and knees and, and washed Christopher's feet, oh, um, wow. and then uh, and then Carol uh, Raylene's mum came in and actually um, helped um, sort of service his toenails and all those sorts of things, and and so he's had this experience while he was eating his lunch that we provided um, of actually being cared for in many many different ways. Wow. Now, does that mean he becomes a Christian on the spot? No, but but he he is witnessing and being part of the love of Jesus being expressed in his life. Wow. And I'm really mindful, even as you say that, just of, of Jesus' words, you know, Matthew 25, and he says, you know, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you clothed me, and, oh, sorry, you know, thirsty and you gave me something to drink and, and naked and you clothed me, you know, just that, that really practical meeting of needs and, and Jesus just saying, what have you did for the least of these? You did also for me, that Jesus cares so much for our, our Gandalf-like friend, yes. that as you're serving him last weekend, that you're serving Jesus in that way. It's such a beautiful expression. Is there ways that people could be involved with this ministry? Very much so, Cathy. We, are, um, we have a, a volunteer schedule that, that I think is quite manageable. So most people are on about once a month, um, and that will involve about a three-hour period um, either helping us to prepare the food and then going down and delivering it or helping us deliver the food and then cleaning up afterwards. Um, uh, it's, I'm always looking for more people to join that schedule. And gradually, as some people leave our ministry for, for whatever reason, I also need people to step up into more of the leadership roles too. So I'm looking for... Um, uh, but I wouldn't ask anyone to do that until they've actually had a taste of coming down. We invite anyone to come down on a Sunday um, down at Prince Alfred Park in Parramatta. Um, come down about just after 12 and just come and see what we do and, and have, share a meal with us. Uh, if we've Certainly if we've got enough meals left over, you, you're happy to, very um, happy to have one with us. And uh, um, it's a great way to just experience the community that's down there, see what we're doing. No pressure at all, but if, if it is something you'd like to be involved in, I'd love to hear from you. And um, my email is, is ken at parramattabaptist.com. Perfect. That's so good. Look, we want to honour you and all the volunteers and what you're doing down there in the park and, and just the ways that you are serving Jesus as you serve the least of these. Um, I just think it would be really 
great right now from wherever you are if we just pause and pray at this point let's pray for our friends who sleep rough and live on the margins let's also pray for Ken and the team who work with him um, just that God would use them powerfully as they minister not only to the practical needs but have those opportunities for for conversations and for prayer with those who who sleep rough you know we would love to see Jesus transforming lives and often that happens in small steps so let's just pray that God would just open a next step for people who are in the park let's pray
The reading today is from Luke 12, verse 13 to 23. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you. Then he said to them, Watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich towards God. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, or about your body, what you will wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothes. Being the eldest child, there are lots of photos of me as a baby and lots of photos of me as a toddler. Now, for my 50th birthday, my sister put together a compilation. She called it The Little Book of Steve, and it had a lot of these photos in it. Now, I don't remember pretty well anything from my first three years of life, but looking at the photos, it seems that I was a pretty happy baby. Uh, and then when my sister came along two years later, it seemed like I was still a pretty happy little kid. Now, one of the consistent photos in my collection, vast collection of photos as a toddler, was me sitting in my red fire truck. Now, I obviously loved my red fire truck, and looking at the photos, I can understand why, because the red fire truck had my name on it. It was Fire Chief. And so I can imagine myself as a three-year-old sitting in my red fire truck thinking, I'm the fire chief. I'm in control of this operation. One set of photos, though, where I'm not happy is where I have to share my red fire truck with my sister. I am definitely not looking pleased at all about that. Because it was mine. Like it was my fire truck. It was given to me. My sister, she didn't know anything. She didn't even understand what it was. She just enjoyed sitting on it and annoying me. It was my fire truck. I got to do with it as I wanted it. It was mine to control. This word mine, it's a word we learn so early on. So much of human nature is our desire to want to own and to control things, but not just things. We want to own or control as much of life as we can. It's my time. I want to do with my time as I want. Or this is my body. I want to do with my body as I want. This is my life. I don't care what you think. Let me live my life as I want to. Now, I taught scripture down at Northmead High for a number of years, and each year we would uh, do a survey of around about 160 year 10 students, and we would ask them what they most wanted out of life. And we gave them a range of things to choose from. Uh, Was it a successful um, academic record? Was it a a great job? Was it a a good relationship with friends? Uh, Was it fame and fortune? Was it finding the right lifelong partner? 
Or was it finding a deep spiritual connection with God? Well, actually, none of those answers were the most popular. Every year, by far and away, the box that most year 10 students ticked was this. It says, I want to do what I want when I want to. And that's kind of like the ultimate expression of our control, isn't it? I want to do what I want when I want to. Now, this COVID pandemic has actually reminded us that we don't get to control every aspect of our lives. It's reminded us that it's actually a fantasy to to think that we ever got to do whatever we wanted to do whenever we wanted to. We've been reminded that our lives are not our own to control. And for many people, this has given rise to a sense of despair and anxiety. For others, it's given rise to anger and defiance. It's like, this is my life, and I will do what I want, regardless of the consequences. The crisis has brought out the very best in us, as well as the very worst. There have been some beautiful stories that we hear of courage and kindness and generosity and love. But there are also the ugliest stories of selfishness and greed and a complete disregard for the needs of others. Now, it's easy to know which story Jesus would have us live. And today I want to talk about living a different story to the story that says, this is mine. Now, the story of this is mine has at its foundation a concept of ownership. It belongs to me, that I have rights over it. I control it. This is mine. And this concept of ownership is built into our culture and into our law. For example, if I buy a house, it's my house. Well, subject to a bank loan, of course, it's part of the banks. But I get to control my house and do with it whatever I want. Well, sort of, depending on what council will let me. But the reality is if I want to live in it, I can live in it. If I want to rent it, I can rent it out. If I don't want you to come to my house, you're not allowed to come to my house. It's my house and I can do with it as I want. But the Bible tells a very different story and Jesus asks us to live a different story. Instead of this is mine, the better story that we are called to live is that this is entrusted to me. And at the foundation of this story is the concept of stewardship, having responsibility rather than ownership. Now, this concept of stewardship is also built into our law. In trust law, a trustee does not own something, but stewards it for the purpose for which it exists. And trustees and stewards are held responsible for what they do. So if funds are set aside in a trust to take care of a child, then the trustee is bound by law to use those funds for the purpose for which they were intended to care for that child. And this is how we are to live The Bible calls us to live as people who see themselves as stewards, as trustees of what we have, not as owners. We are held responsible for what we do with what we have. And it's not just with our things, but it's actually what we do with all of our lives, uh, with relationships, with our time, with our gifts and with our abilities. Now, on my list of two reads is Tim Costello's biography, Tim Costello, if you don't know him, is an ordained Baptist pastor. He was uh, CEO of World Vision for a number of years. And he's very well known in Australia as being an advocate for the poor and the marginalised. 
His biography is called A Lot With A Little. I listened to him a few months ago as he explained the reason for him choosing that title of his book. It was an expression that his mum used both of herself but also of Tim. She felt that she didn't and Tim didn't have the natural talent that his dad and his brother had. But what they did have, they used well. They did a lot with a little. And I really love that expression as an expression of what stewardship is, a lot with a little. The Bible consistently conveys this view that we are stewards, not owners. That the phrase, this is mine, actually makes no sense biblically. Why? Well, very simply because as Psalm 24 declares, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. When we look at the very beginning of the story of of the Bible, God does not place humans on this earth and say, here we go, this is yours, do with it as you want. In Genesis 2, God says, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And even when God's people are about to enter into the promised land, they're bound by laws that don't speak of ownership but stewardship. Again, this is what the Lord says in Leviticus 25. The land must not be sold permanently because the land is mine and you reside in my land as foreigners and strangers. You know, as I was writing and thinking through this sermon, it struck me that Indigenous Australians have a much more biblical understanding of the land than did the English colonists who came and said, this is now mine. It reminded me, uh, for those of you who are old enough to remember Crocodile Dundee, uh, there's this great little scene which I, I wrote down years and years ago because it just struck me. And Mick Dundee is having a conversation with someone about the land uh, and, and Aboriginals' relationship with the land. And he, and he says this, and it's a quote, for people to argue about who owns the land they live in is a bit like two fleas arguing about who owns the dog they're on. It's just another way of saying that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. At this point, I'd like you to pause and to reflect. I have two questions for you. Firstly, why do you think that most people see themselves as owners rather than trustees? And secondly... What is easier, to control or to steward? Why? The passage that Kayla read to us is a parable that Jesus told about a man who thought to himself, I've got it made. I will do what I want when I want. Now, Jesus tells this story uh, when a man interrupts him. Jesus is teaching. He's teaching to a crowd of thousands. And this guy calls out to Jesus and said, Jesus, tell my brother to share his inheritance with me. Now, this is no sibling rivalry over a red fire truck. This is a really important matter. It's likely that this man's older brother would have taken the majority of his father's estate and probably all of the land so that the land did not have to be split up. Now, that doesn't sound very fair to us, and maybe it wasn't. But Jesus does not sympathize with the younger brother at all. He just says, well, who appointed me as judge between the two of you? 
And then he turns to the crowd and he says, watch out for greed, for life is not about an abundance of possessions. And then Jesus goes on to tell this parable, this story. It's a story of a rich man who suddenly gets even richer. He has a harvest that is so big he doesn't know what to do with it. Now He's not going to give away his harvest for nothing and he's not even going to sell off his harvest cheaply. And so what he does is he tears down the barns that he has and he just builds these bigger barns in order to store it. He has so much grain that he can now sell it over many, many years. And for him, this is like happy days. I can take life easy. I can just eat and drink and just enjoy myself. I can do what I want whenever I want to. But in the parable, God comes to him and says, you fool, tonight your life will be demanded of you. And then what becomes of your barns full of grain? Now, Jesus uses these words, you fool, because the crowd knew what a fool was. From Psalm 14, it says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. The man in the parable was not a fool because he was rich. The man in the parable was not a fool because he planned for his future. The man in the parable was not even a fool because he failed to share his wealth. He was a fool because in his plans he had no regard for God. As far as he was concerned, it was his life, it was his grain, it was his barns, and he was in control. He would do what he wanted when he wanted to. And yet he was about to find out that his life was not his own. And the same is true of us. Jesus calls us to live an abundant life. He calls us to live life in all its fullness, a life that has as its foundation a deep trust in God. And this is then what Jesus goes on to speak about. Don't worry about your life, what you will eat and drink, because your life is held in the hands of a loving father. Your life belongs to him and your life is safe in him. Your life and all that makes up your life is not yours to own and it is not yours to control. The story we are called to is to live as God intended and to do so in relationship with him. The story is to steward our lives well, to do a lot with a little. Again, I just want you now to pause and to reflect just on this one question. What specific aspects of my life do I sense that God would have me steward well? I want to finish today by touching on some of the aspects of our lives where we can live a different story, where we can live a better story and which declare our trust in a good and a loving God. The first aspect of our lives comes from the parable and I think it's a very obvious one because when most of us think of owning things, we think of money and possessions. Culturally, until a few months ago, uh, the economy and jobs and our wealth was the most important thing for most Australians. Ownership and stewardship, though, are very different stories when it comes to money and possessions. Ownership says, this is mine, I earned it, I deserve it, and I get to do with it as I want. And both in Australia and across the world, the vast majority of people 
would see life that way through this lens of ownership. And unfortunately, many Christians do as well. Stewardship, on the other hand, says that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And so what I have, I have from him, including even the wages that I earn. Stewardship says that I do not own what I have, but I hold it in trust for God's purposes and I will be held responsible for the way in which I've used them. Now, the Bible is not anti-wealth and Jesus is not anti-wealth. But both condemned greed and dishonesty, exploitation, and especially the love of money, which is simply a form of idolatry. Jesus spoke so much about money and possessions, and we would probably recognize many of the the things that he said. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, for Kathy and I, this story of stewardship was one we embraced early on in our marriage. Now, when we were married, we were full-time students and so we sought to do a lot uh, with very little And throughout our marriage, we've continued to do that. And it's actually one of our great joys of being intentional in the way in which we use our money and we use our possessions for the purposes in which God intended to be used for his kingdom and to be used to help those who have less than us. Another story we tell is how we steward our time. I think time is something that we come to see as the most important aspect of our lives that we're entrusted with. We can't own time, we can't store time, we can't slow time down, and we certainly cannot control time. All we can do is steward time well. In Ephesians 5, Paul says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. For me, this is my struggle, to steward my time well. Often my good intentions to use time well don't make it into reality. It's an ongoing battle for me to prioritise and I can procrastinate as well, as good as anyone can. And so I, I just want to invite you to join with me in actually taking responsibility for the way in which we use our time, the way in which we steward our time. Join me in being intentional in setting aside time for those things that matter most our relationship with God, our relationship with others, for prayer, for sleep. The reality is we are entrusted with the time that we have. It's not ours to control. We are entrusted with the time that we have and none of us know how much time we do have. A couple of other things uh, that we, I believe, are called to steward. Uh, One is to steward our relationships with people. We are called to love people unconditionally, not for what they give back to us. We are responsible for loving and caring for children, for raising them in the ways of the Lord. But sometimes we can act as though we own people and sometimes we act as though we're seeking to control them. But it's not our responsibility to control the behaviour or to control the actions or to control the opinions of other people. And the reality is you can't. But we can take responsibility for our own behaviour, our own actions and our own opinions. And we can seek to be salt and light 
we can seek to be this Christ-like influence to those around us. We can also be good stewards of our bodies. You may think this is a strange one, but I believe that we steward our bodies. We see our bodies as a gift from God to be good, to be used for his glory. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honour God with your bodies. Now, Paul is not talking about looks. He's not being body obsessed. But what he's saying is live. Live in the knowledge that your physical body is given to us by God and is to be used for his glory. Take care of it. And finally, I just want to touch back into the parable that we are called to be good stewards of our future. The future is not mine to control, but we are to make plans and preparations for the future, and it's good and right to do so. We don't in despair say, oh, who knows what will happen in the future. Anything can happen, therefore let's do nothing. We don't know the future, we can't control the future, but we can step into it seeking to know the heart and the mind of our God who does. We steward our future by seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. The Apostle Paul found himself in prison. There was great uncertainty around his life and there were even Christians who were causing him trouble. The only thing that he could control at this time is his response. And so in Philippians 1, his response to all of that is this. He says, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, and I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Let us not live as owners, as if this life was mine. Let's not live as though I get to do what I want, when I want. Now let's live a different story that my life is in the hands of a loving and a faithful God and I will live this life in the way in which he intends, in relationship with him, in relationship with others and in all things for his glory. Amen. Thanks everyone who's been involved today. You know, it's been such a good reminder that we are stewards of the things that we have been given, not the owners of it. And I really want to encourage you this week, just allow God to show you if there is an area of your life where you need to just make some adjustments to realign, to be a steward of what that thing is in your life. Just to encourage you to do that. But my prayer also is that this concept of stewardship would become increasingly a lifelong theme for the way that you make choices and decisions in your life.
in that vein, um, I really want to thank you um, for everyone who gives financially um, to the work of the gospel through PBC. Um, I'm very mindful that that is one area that we steward um, what God has given us. And if you'd like to start giving, you're really welcome to do that. You can find details through our website or beneath this video. And also, if you've recently joined watching online with us at Parramatta Baptist, we would love to meet you. And so be sure to contact us and we'll get in touch with you. Hey, Ken, it's been good to have you with us today. And again, just that reminder, um, if you would like to, to join in with our park ministry to those who are marginalised and sleep rough, we would love to have you um, be in contact with Ken at ParramattaBaptist.com. Bless you heaps and have a good week. Without my glasses on, they're a bit, a bit of a blur anyway, Trav, so, you know. <laughs> Why are you not wearing your glasses? I don't need to see the camera. I can see you fine. All right, I was also, <laughs> forget that. I'm just going to do this again. <laughs> such a shame because it was such a lovely smile. <laughs> <laughs> I've got more where that came oh, from. Oh, good. <laughs>